Hello everyone and welcome to church tonight. I'm so glad that you could all come and join us tonight. So tonight I've just been asked by Matt to share on what the cross means to me. So for me, what the cross means to me, the cross can mean a lot of things to me and a lot of things to everyone here, but the cross to me means, it means freedom from an old life and grace beyond what I deserve, what we deserve, and, res and freedom from a former life and res restoration from my old self into a new person in and through Christ. The cross itself is a place of new beginnings. It's a place when Jesus cried out, it is finished, and death was declared done. As he, was on that, as he was on that cross, every sin was upon him, none of which belonged to him, and they all belonged to us. And he still said there, when we deserved that cross, he took it for us. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 2, For I decided that while I was with you, I would forget everything except Jesus Christ, the one who was crucified. Paul's focus was on the cross. Paul's focus was on what Jesus did at the cross and the price that was paid by the cross. Just like Paul, we don't need to be concerned with anything except Jesus. Our focus needs to be on Jesus and him and the fact he was crucified for us. He did endure that pain and that death for us so that we could have peace and be restored to a new life and set free from our sin, not his sin, because he was a perfect and a willing man. He was a perfect and willing lamb of God that just came to die on that cross so we could live in freedom because of what the cross means, we don't only get Jesus, but we get to carry our own cross. We get the highs and the lows of life, and we get to face them all with Jesus. We don't only get relief, but we get a relationship with God the Father. And we don't only get set free, but we get saved from ourselves and our own sins. We get the promise of an eternity with him. And that's just grace to me. So undeserved, yet so freely given at the cross. We don't deserve Jesus, yet... He freely gave his life up for us on that cross. He knew what was ahead of him and he still chose to go to that cross for us. And he stayed on that cross at any moment he could have called for angels, but he stayed and endured the cross for us. On that cross, he stayed on it to create a perfect pathway for a perfect relationship with us and him. He stayed so that we could know him. He chose us on that cross and today he still chooses to be with us and to have a relationship with us. The cross made a bridge for restoring us with God. The relationship that was broken right at the very start in Eden could now be repaired because of the cross. God repaired my life and he restored my life just like he has the many of us here tonight. From a former life with lots of sin till a new life in him. Because of what was accomplished at the cross, he's still restoring lives. It wasn't something that just happened back when the cross happened, but it's something that still happens today. He's still breaking chains and he's still setting people free, free because of what was done at the cross. God's loving and he's comforting. He loves us regardless of what stage we're at. And he comforts us no matter what part of the journey we're on. He's with us every step of the way, even when we go down paths that weren't directed by him. He still stays with us. We learn at Easter because of what the cross stands for, because of freedom from, we get freedom from our sins. The cross is all about what he did for me because I couldn't do it for myself, what he did for us because we couldn't do it for ourselves. The cross was a place of brokenness and heartache. And if God can make good come from the cross and can make good come from the death of his only son, God can make good come from anything. Nobody's life is too far gone for what God has done in that cross. The cross covers it all. The cross is covered in grace. It's covered in freedom for us all. So tonight, like, we don't need to worry about our past lives or what our lives contain because the cross covers it all. On that cross, Jesus' blood was shed for us all and it covered everything on that cross. So thank you. And the worship team are going to come now if everybody would like to stand. Thank you. 
Church, we're going to worship together tonight. Unfortunately, it's been a last-minute substitution, so you've to listen to me twice, on one day and a Sunday. <laughs> Thanks, Pastor. Thanks for the encouragement. <laughs> Bring your 
addictions come lay them down at the foot of the cross jesus is waiting god so loved the Say 
you may take your seats as Rebecca comes to bring the word. Amazing. Good evening and welcome to church tonight. I know there's some visitors in the room so if it's your first time and um, a living hope it's a big big welcome. We love having new people here to come and join the family. We always say the church is a family and we love that you came tonight to be part of that so make sure you stay behind make sure you say hello make sure you get to meet some nice faces maybe some not so nice faces but make sure you stay behind after and say hello not looking at it and <laughs> um, no but stay behind say hello get to know some people we all want to do this together so it's very good to have you here tonight if you missed this morning we started this new series the journey to the cross you'll see it behind me. So all the month of April we're going to do this Easter series of looking at the cross and we're going to be exploring what Jesus going to the cross is all about. And tonight I have the privilege of looking at the person of the cross. Why did it have to be Jesus? Why couldn't it have just been a good man or one of us? Why wasn't it enough to be a teacher? Why was it enough just to be a prophet? Why did it have to be Jesus? But before I do it, let me pray. Let me pray for us as we come before God's word. So God, I pray that your anointing would be over this. Lord, I pray that you would just speak to our hearts. God, encourage us. Help the faint-hearted tonight. God, encourage the weak. God, encourage those who need strength. Lord, and I pray, God, for anyone that doesn't know you tonight, I pray that they would leave if their life changed. God, only by your grace, only by your Holy Spirit. So God, come, God, and meet with us. May this not just be an hour, God, that we would just give up our time, but God, we would really meet with you tonight. Amen. Amen. So I want you to think back to your primary school days. Maybe for some of you, that might be a wee bit harder than others, but I want you to recall I'm on a bit of a road, maybe not. I'm never going to get told off either. Um, but I want you to recall the RE lessons. When I was thinking about this, when I was writing it during the week, the RE lessons that you got during school, during Easter time, when you were handed a sheet of paper, and it was normally a picture of this man, normally with brown long hair, and he was nailed to a cross. We normally drew sandals on his feet and coloured the hill in which he stood green. But beyond this picture, beyond the sheet given an Ari, who actually was the man? Who was the man we were asked to colour in? Was he just this 30 or so year old man? Was he just this nice person who would do a nice thing for us? Was he just a good teacher that we would hear stories of if you got sent along to Sunday school? 
Who was he and why was it him that had to go to the cross? And so to look at that, there's a few verses I want to read from, from Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53 gives us loads of statements about this man, Jesus. And it says this, it says, For he grew up before him like a young plant and like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him and no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by man, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he's borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. And then it goes on to say, but he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquity. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wings were healed. We all like sheep have gone astray, we've turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth like a lamb that's led to the slaughter, like a sheep before its shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. Them words at the end there, a lamb led to slaughters. What I want to focus on tonight is we take a look at why it had to be Jesus, why he was the person of the cross. A lamb led to the slaughter. It was so important for the people of that time for a lamb to be led to the slaughter. It was something they were really familiar with. It was a really familiar concept. And so we're going to trace this idea right back to the start where it all started. So when we go back right to creation, Adam and Eve in Genesis 3, you'll know the story so much. Adam and Eve in this perfect garden that God made. But in it was a tree and they were told don't eat from the tree. But being human, of course, what was their natural thing? I'm going to eat from the tree. I was thinking of kids like when your parent tells you not to touch the hot plate. What does the child do? Like maybe, maybe I can't touch it. Or the parent that says don't jump off the high height. What does the child want to do? Naturally wants to jump. Adam and Eve disobeyed God. And after that came a consequence because with sin, with our disobedience, there always has to be a consequence. So sin came into the world and made a gap between them and God. The gap had to be there. We were, Claire was telling the kids in Kids Face this morning, the gap had to be there between man and God because God's perfect. And then sin came in and separated them from that. So from this thing of sin, from Adam's disobedience, every generation then was born into it. And to fix it as a temporary measure, it says in Leviticus 4, 35, that people had to sacrifice a lamb. So this was a really familiar thing, as I've just said. It was a familiar thing to sacrifice a lamb. And the priest would make this lamb act as a bridge that separated the people from God. The sacrifice of a lamb would provide basically like a temporary covering for sin. And we see this scattered throughout the Old Testament. But the key is this tonight as we learn about the person of the cross. That the sacrifice of a physical lamb was the picture of someone greater who was to come. The sacrifice of a physical lamb was a picture of someone greater to come. And then the story goes on from Adam and Eve. And then we hear of two brothers in the Bible. Two brothers, Cain and Abel. They were in Genesis 4, you read all about it, and they both offer a sacrifice to God. But it says in the Bible that God had regard for one sacrifice over the other. It tells us that the Lord had regard for Abel's offering. Cain offers the, the fruit of the ground, but Abel, he offers a lamb. He offers a lamb, the sacrifice and offering of a lamb rather, to, rather than the fruit 
of the ground. You see, it was this animal, as I've already said, and you'll see throughout so much tonight, the animal was there to give the temporary covering to make this, the separation from God be not there. You see, people offered the blood of animals to cover their sins, and it was something that the law dictated. It wasn't just this nice thing that they had to do, but it was something that the law told them they had to do. Then the story goes on further. In the Bible, we hear of Noah, and God said that he was going to send the flood to cover the whole earth. Because again, people were covered in their sin. They were putting themselves before God. God said that he would wipe out the entire earth. Because with sin, there has to be a consequence. With with disobedience, there has to be a consequence. And Noah, in this story in Genesis 8, as we read, he builds an offer, an altar, sorry, and he sacrifices on it animals. He goes further again, the nation of Israel, they continued the sacrifices of killing the lamb, but it wasn't for themselves, it was for their family. So in this story, we hear the animal had to be spotless and it had to be put to death as an act of a temporary measure to cover sins. Again, the people of Israel, I hope you're getting the point tonight that in the Old Testament, we see time and time and time again, that people had to sacrifice a lamb as a temporary covering for their sins. It had to happen a lot, you see, to cover their sins because basically like us and like them, they had this issue with sin, which is everything we do that displeases God. It's everything that we do that puts us at the center of our world. It's everything that we do that puts anything, anything at all, whether it's something tiny or something big, before God. So to fix that, they had to use this temporary thing. In Exodus 29, it actually tells us that every morning and every evening, a lamb was sacrificed in the temple. It wasn't just this once-off thing, but every morning, every evening, it was sacrificed to take away the sins of the people. It acted as a temporary covering, but as the story emerges, we're going to kind of change direction a bit. We meet actually the actual lamb that we come to talk about. He wasn't a physical animal, but he was a person. And all the stories that I've mentioned before tonight just set the stage for who he is. The point to someone greater, the point to the person of the cross. Remember the verses that I read at the start? They start like this. We all like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. All like sheep have gone astray. That's me and that's you tonight. Basically means we've all gone and done our own thing. Regardless of our status, regardless of our race, gender, good deeds, family inheritance, the amount of money in our bank account, the amount of education that we have had, we've all gone and gone astray. We've all went and done our own thing from the very beginning. From when we were born, we've had this urge in nature to go our own way and do our own thing, regardless of the consequence. We've all sinned. But then the first gives us this amazing encouragement and an amazing hope, and it says the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all, of all the sheep, of me and of you, of the person sitting beside you, the person sitting in front of you. He's laid on God and Jesus the iniquity of us all. You see, God's idea from the start was to lay on Jesus the wrong of all of us. It wasn't always going to be an animal, as we've heard of all the stories I've mentioned tonight that would be the covering. But through all these stories, that was just a temporary solution. But here we read that Jesus would be the lamb that was slaughtered. He would be the lamb that was oppressed, the lamb that was afflicted, and yet he opened not his mouth. He would be crushed and pierced for us. That God laid on this man, Jesus, the sin of all of us. Not just those. I was writing, looking over it today, and I was really encouraged 
to know that it wasn't just for those who would be good enough, and those who would be smart enough, those who would grow up inside church. No, it was the wrong of us all, the wrong of us all. Jesus took our place, your place. Tonight, maybe tonight you don't feel worthy of it, and the reality is none of us are. But Jesus took the place that we should have been in. He was the lamb that was needed to take away our sin. John 1.29 tells us so clearly, behold the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Because in the Old Testament, in all the stories I read at the start, the people followed this system of sacrifices to pay the death for their sins. But in the New Testament, Jesus, God's son, came to earth to reunite us with God through the ultimate sacrifice, the ultimate sacrifice of his own life. Jesus going to the cross was God's plan all along. And so it had to be Jesus to fulfill this. But you might say, Rebecca, like, it's so good you telling us. It's so good hearing that all tonight. But why was it actually Jesus? What made him to be this spotless lamb? I'd done a bit of research. And the interesting thing about people's views on Jesus is this. Loads of people say, um, and you might fall into this camp, some, loads of people say, surely Jesus was just a good person. Surely he was just some sort of teacher or prophet. Maybe he was some guy who had just powers to hate, make people better, to heal this odd sore eye and maybe help people walk. They actually carried out a survey in the UK a few years ago by an organisation called Barnet, and they came to the reality to realise that 29% of people believe that Jesus was a prophet or spiritual leader, but he wasn't God. In America, further afield, a quarter of the adults in a survey admit that Jesus was only a spiritual leader, but he wasn't God. And in the young adult generation in particular, it was noted that one third of young adults that took the survey thought he was just a religious leader. And I wonder tonight when you sit in church, I wonder who you think he was. I wonder, do you think he was God's son? Was he just a good teacher? Was he just the one that you colored in the picture of an Ari? Was he just someone that you heard lots of stories about as you were made to go to Sunday school as a child? Who was he? Why was he able to take our place and rescue us? Who is he to you? C.S. Lewis, um, a really famous author from here, he writes this. He says, I'm trying here to prevent anyone saying the really foolish thing that people often say about him. People say, I'm ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher, but I don't accept his claim to be God. That is one thing we must not say. A man who was merely a man and said the sorts of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic or the level of a man who says he's a poached egg or else he would be the devil of hell. He's trying to get people to move from this idea that Jesus was just not a good teacher, but he was actually God. Because for the sacrifice to be accepted of the person of the cross, it had to be a perfect sacrifice. When you think of it, it couldn't have been a liar. It couldn't have just been a good teacher because good teachers sin by nature. It couldn't have just been a prophet because prophets have inside of them the ability to do wrong. Jesus had to be God because to take away our sins and to bridge that separation, the sacrifice had to be perfect. It had to be without blemish. And it says in 1 Peter 2.22 that he committed no sin and neither was the seed found in his mouth. So Jesus was without sin and that's why he was the person of the cross. That's why, because it took perfection to become sin for us on our behalf to fix the issue. Jesus, the kids in kids' face at the minute are learning that he had to live this perfect life. 
He had to live a perfect life on our behalf so that one day he would solve the issue of our separation from God. Jesus was God in human flesh and he was tempted just like us. Three times the devil leads him into the wilderness and each time he has to fight back with the word of God. Being God's son, he was perfect, but he came to earth and he didn't sin. And it wasn't just to make up this picture in RE. You know, it wasn't just to make up this story that we come to church tonight to hear, but it was actually come to fulfill the will of God on our behalf, on your behalf. Not just to prove his love for us, but actually to bring us back to God. To rescue us from our greatest need. The greatest need, you know, in our culture today, culture would scream that the greatest need is to have the new iPhone. Our culture would scream that the greatest need is to make sure everyone likes you, that your Instagram account is growing daily, that you have success, that you have a big family, a good job. Culture would scream that that's our greatest need. But you know, tonight, our greatest need was to be rescued from the pit of hell. It was the greatest need that we actually got ourselves into this pit of hell that we actually needed to be pulled out from and so to rescue us the lamb needed to take our place it wasn't just a physical it wasn't a physical lamb like the stories we have heard before but it was this man the man of Jesus he came and he took our place he was beaten whipped pierced crushed as a lamb that was led to the slaughter and who's that for Tonight it's for me, and guess what? It's for you. He was crushed on your behalf that the chastisement that was brought upon him would give you peace tonight, would give you peace with God. And I was so encouraged when I read this that it wasn't just a sacrifice that would need to be made day and night, but it was an all-time sacrifice for all sins. I have this verse here. It wasn't a sacrifice that would need to be made day and night, but it was an all-time single sacrifice for sins. And that's from Hebrews 10. It says, And every high priest stands daily at his service, offering repeatedly the same sacrifice, which can never, can never take away sins. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sin, he sat down at the right hand of God. It wasn't this sacrifice that needed to be made day and night for us, but it was an all-time single sacrifice on the cross that when Jesus said it was finished, it was finished for our behalf. I was really encouraged when I was reading this that the person of the cross had to be Jesus because it had to fulfill every word that God had spoken. All throughout the Old Testament we see that lambs would just foreshadow the perfect and complete sacrifice of Jesus. That God knew from the very start that his son would go to be the greatest sacrifice. How hard is a father to actually know that one day your son would be afflicted? And it actually says in Isaiah 53 later on in verse 10 that it was actually the will of God to crush him. He had to be put to death. So it was God's will from the start. And here's why. Because his son was the only perfect sacrifice that would be accepted once and for all on our behalf. It was the only perfect sacrifice that would be once for all accepted on our behalf. Not to do a good story, but on our behalf. And so tonight as we come to church and we look at this man, Jesus, the, the question is, sorry, what is our response to it? Ultimately, what comes tonight, I don't want to come and just take up your time and say a few words. But tonight we all have the question, what do we do with this man, Jesus? who was completely perfect, who needed to take our place 
on the cross because he was the perfect lamb that all the lambs in the stories that we read about tonight were just a temporary covering for sin a temporary solution but then came Jesus the perfect lamb of God and tonight that sits with you who is this man Jesus to you what is the response you have to him he was completely perfect he was the only one that would give his life for you and we have to decide whether like Jesus, like C.S. Lewis says, is going to just be this good moral teacher or if we're going to accept him as God. If he's going to be someone who died on the cross to pay a debt we can't even imagine and take on a punishment too great for us to fathom or is he just going to be someone insignificant to us? Is he just going to be someone that fills our day on a Sunday? Because actually, like, we don't have time for that. There's no point of coming and just doing services if we don't have God in our life. So tonight, what is our response to this? You know, the journey to the cross, what we're looking at in church over the next while, that's for you. It was full of so much pain for Jesus. But in his suffering, he gives us the greatest news tonight. He gives us the greatest news that God himself provided the offering for us on our behalf for people who are sinful to the fairy court of the fairy blood to have a way to God. It gives us the greatest news of forgiveness tonight. It gives us the greatest news of hope tonight and eternal life. It gives us the greatest news of having peace with God because that was our greatest need. We needed rescued from God. It wasn't, as Tim Bailey so well said this morning, it wasn't just this thing to know how good the love of God was, but it was actually we needed to be rescued. We needed to be rescued from the pit of hell that we were in. You see, God loves us so much. And as I was writing this, I was so encouraged that it's not just this tiny love. It's not a love that can be explained. But from the very start, knowing that your son would die the most cruel death, that Jesus had to live this perfect life for us and be the lamb for us and one day die for us to rescue us. He was the perfect sacrifice. And tonight I want to encourage those who maybe already know God that you're not saved by what you can do, but what he's already done for you. That you're not saved by what you have suffered, but what's been endured for you. Let me read that again. You're not saved by what you can do, but what's been done for you. You're not saved by what you have suffered, but what's been endured for you. It didn't no longer need to be a lamb, but it was Jesus who gave his life for you and me. And that's the person who died on the cross. That's our response tonight. The perfect lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And here's what's left for us. There's a verse in Romans 10, 9 to 10, and it says, But if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe your heart that the Lord Jesus raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And tonight that opportunity comes tonight for all of us to respond to Jesus, to respond to who he is. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. To have faith that Jesus is really who he said he is, that he's not just this good teacher, he's not just someone that we do about in RE lessons, he's not just some guy that fills up stories that we learn on a Sunday, but he was the Lamb of God that took an incredible punishment on our behalf, on your behalf, to rescue you from the greatest need that we'll ever face rescuing us from the greatest thing we've ever faced to be the lamb of God on our behalf so tonight we're leaving we're leaving you with that responsibility the responsibility what will you do with Jesus what will you do with this man 
What, what is it that you're here for? What is it you're coming to church for? Are you coming for hope? Are you coming? I read it first this morning. I was so encouraged back that we're here to help the weak, the faint-hearted. And tonight, maybe that might be you as well. Tonight, maybe you're feeling weak and faint-hearted. But God, tonight comes and through his son offers us the greatest hope the greatest sacrifice, not just this week. I was so encouraged. It's not just this little tiny thing, but it was a massive, massive love that we can't get our head around to rescue us from our greatest need. So tonight, what are you going to do with this man, Jesus, this man who came to be the Lamb of God on our behalf? It says, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, you will be saved. And so tonight, if you want to do that, um, there'll be people at the back and I'll be at the back. And if you want to just grab someone and just talk to them and say, you know what? I actually would really like to do that. I believe that Jesus is who he says he is. And I believe in my heart that God rose him from the dead and you will be saved. And it will be the best decision you'll ever make. You'll be rescued from the pit of hell and come into a relationship with God. So thank you so much tonight for listening. I hope you've got something from it as we have looked at the man of Jesus who came to be the Lamb of God on our behalf. I'm just going to pray and then the worship team are going to come and lead us in worship. So God, just thank you so much for this amazing love. Lord, help us to never ever lose the wonder of it. The wonder of your love for us, Lord. Thank you for rescuing us, God, from the greatest need that we'll ever have. Lord, thank you for meeting us at our point of need. Thank you for saving us, Lord, from lifting us out of the pit, as your word says, Lord, and bringing us to you. Lord, thank you, God, for your grace in our life, Lord. And I pray tonight for anyone who doesn't know you. I pray that these words wouldn't have been words from me, but God, I pray that they'd be words from you. God, that the greatest sacrifice was given on our behalf, God, for us, God, to be reunited with you, God, that separation to be fixed so we would come back to you. So I pray, God, that you would work in people's heart. God, move by your spirit, encourage the faint-hearted, God, encourage the weak, God, and bring people back to you. For it's in your name we pray. Amen. 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 Church, let's stand as we sing our coaching song. There is a song I know it will A melody that's never failed A mountain's high and valleys low My soul will rest my confidence in you Girl. 
we thank you for the message we've heard tonight of your cross and the message of your son Jesus whose blood was shed for each and every one of us God we thank you for that reminder this Easter time we thank you that you rescued us from our sin we know that we were so unworthy we had so much sin in our lives but we thank you that you have rescued us with your glorious gift of salvation thank you Jesus Father God, as we go our separate ways, I pray you would keep us all safe and bring us back again next week safely. In the name of your precious...